0: Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters podcast from GP Strategies. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts, exploring best practices and innovative insights to help you and your organization improve performance. I'm your host, Jeremy Shear. Welcome, everybody. My guest is Erica Tatuan, Change Management Practice Lead at GP Strategies. Erica, thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks so much for inviting me to the show today, Jeremy. It's so great to be with you.
0: So in this episode, we're going to talk about the pace of change in organizational life and how to best deal with it. But first, tell us a little little bit about yourself, about your background, and about your role as a change consultant.
1: Yeah, so just a little bit about me. I feel like I've been in the business of change management, honestly, my entire career, whether that's indirectly or directly. I spent my career both in public sector and in private industry, and every place I've worked, from the United States House of Representatives to a nonprofit organization to a Fortune 40 company, I've really remained curious about human dynamics in organizations, but very specifically, how strategy moves forward or doesn't as a result of the social and emotional human systems at play in organizations. And I really feel that this is at the heart of change management. So today, in my role at GP Strategies as the change management practice lead, my job is really to provide thought leadership, introduce leading-edge models, methods, experiences, and practices that help ensure our clients achieve their desired business goals and outcomes.
0: Okay, so now let's talk about adapting to change. So it's no secret that the pace of change in the corporate world is moving at a record pace. We're seeing changes in the workflow, business models, tools, processes, how we train, digitization, on and on and on. So my first question is, why does this matter? What's at stake for organizations in terms of how they respond to all these changes?
1: I love this question. And what I think is at stake for businesses is Honestly, their ability to achieve results. And this matters because people, quite frankly, need to create new habits and rituals with all of this change. And creating new habits and rituals is one of the hardest things for anyone to take on. We are creatures of habit. And so the types of changes that we're seeing in our client organizations really are requiring big mental model shifts. So shifts in the way we fundamentally think about and then approach our work. This can be very uncomfortable and difficult to do. So often these changes in our organizations require us to unlearn and relearn. And unlearning means that we need to challenge our beliefs and that is no easy task. So what's at stake for the organization is their business results. If humans can't adapt, grow, unlearn and relearn, the business results required for them to survive are at grave risk. Most changes organizations make that matter are highly dependent upon employees adopting those changes. We actually have a client segment right now that is actually really successful. The segment in total is very successful. But the industry around them is changing. There are disruptors in that industry vertical. And when there are new entrants in your industry, it is game on. So through all of these organizational changes, I'd say knowing how to change at an individual level is paramount. And that formula for change at the individual level is what an organization needs to apply enterprise-wide.
0: Okay, so let's look at maybe a few examples of how organizations go about doing what it takes to adapt to changes. What does that look like?
1: Well, I'll tell you, I have a a few key tips that I think we're seeing over and over again in our client organizations. The first one is be as preventative as you possibly can. So what I mean by that is look to understand where the resistance might creep in. So make sure that the solutions you're designing, the changes that you're designing solve not only business problems, but employee problems as well. So solving for the business or a customer or a new disruptor in the industry, it doesn't have to be at odds with what employees want as well. So my number one tip would be be as preventative as possible and design in a way that your employees want to embrace that change. So be the trusted source of information, right? We both know that when there's not information, what happens? We make it up in our heads, right? Because we are wired for certainty and control. When there isn't certainty, we make it up. So being timely and transparent means communicate, communicate, communicate. Even when you don't have an answer or an update, communicate that it's okay to let people know, Hey, I still don't have an update on that. Or I still don't have an answer on that. Just keep the calm. The other thing that I would say is organizations need to start looking at themselves as partners in change, right? And this is different than being a manager in change, or even different than being a leader or a sponsor of change, right? Because partnership means we're doing it together. We're practicing together, coaching one another, we're holding each other accountable. So partners and change are invaluable in making those habit and ritual shifts that we need to be successful. And I think the final piece of advice that I would give is you have to actually be successful in making the change. Just Jeremy, like your reputation and my reputation in the marketplace matters An organization's reputation and change matters. So when an organization has failure after failure and change, employees get complacent and they stop paying attention. So if the last five changes actually didn't materialize, then I'm not going to pay attention to the next one and I'm not going to put my energy into it because I'm just going to assume this is going to be a failure too. So be preventative, have a plan, be timely and transparent, be a partner, do it together versus with someone and be successful.
0: Yeah, that's. I, I really like that last point, especially. Those are all important points, but the last one especially, because um, I think anyone who's worked in an organization of any size has probably experienced that. You know, some new thing that's supposed to happen, and either it doesn't happen, or it happens in kind of like a like a half-assed way, and and, and it just sets a really yeah. bad precedent. Now, all all of these things you just described would those strategies apply to just about any change type situation, or does it really depend on the kind of change that an organization is implementing?
1: This is such a great question. Being localized and being specific to the change that's happening is so important. So while we always want to be preventative, we want to be timely and transparent, we want to be a partner and we want to be successful, that matters across every change. But it's really important to understand the culture of change in your organization. So what we find in the variety of organizations that we serve is that organizations actually have reputations or cultures for what's easier or more difficult for them. So for example, we might have a client organization that takes on technology change like a champ. It's just Um, is very robust and change hardy and change resilient around new technology implementations. But for others, they might really struggle with technology. It could be crippling to them. So it's important to know your organization's culture around change. So it's important to know what are the things that we're hardy and resilient at and where are the things that we might struggle. So understanding our culture is really critical. Then once we understand our culture around change, we need to understand the change itself and how disruptive it is. So the level of robustness of the change intervention must match the level of disruption. So changes that are not understood or complex or not in alignment with our culture, they might take a much more concentrated effort than changes that are desired, simplistic, and culturally aligned. So it's very important to know both your organizational culture around change, where you're resilient and hardy, and understand the characteristics of the change itself to then determine the type of change interventions that are required. And my pro tip here is don't underestimate the time it takes for humans to change. Plan for the lowest common denominator, not the early adopters. One of the key tests that I love to ask organizations is... It doesn't matter what time of year it is, but I ask folks, who is still following their New Year's resolution? I'm telling you, it could be the second week of January, and you'll have people who are already falling off their wagon of their New Year's resolution. And I think that's a really good test for people to think about in terms of how difficult it is to get us to change our behaviors. Because those New New Year's resolutions, we make them ourselves, we bring them on ourselves. They're changes that we want. And yet they're still really hard to make. And when you ask the question, right, how many people are still following a New Year's resolutions, you'll see very few hands up, if any at all. And then when you ask the next question, how many of you don't make a New Year's resolution because you know you're not going to follow it? Like every hand in the room goes up.
0: And chances are anyone that raised their hand to say, sure, I'm still keeping mine, they're probably lying.
1: <laughs> they probably you are. Know?
0: <laughs> you know? Because, <laughs> how, you know, anyway, so any kind of uh, significant change is probably going to c- come from the top down. Now, you've already uh, talked about the importance of communication, but what else is it important for leadership to do in terms of making the change happen and making sure that the employees are in the right position to be able to adapt?
1: Leaders have a huge role. We talked about partnership a little bit earlier. But at GP Strategies, we like to use a model called the R2P2 model, and it stands for reason, role, path, and partner. And so a leader's role is to really help their employees find all of those things. So a reason for change is both at the organizational and individual level. So why does the organization need to change? And why do I need to change? And probably more importantly, what's the risk if I don't change? Oftentimes in change, we do things equally because we either fear the consequences or we are looking forward to a hopeful future. So great leaders have a good good balance of fear and hope in their messaging. And then after a leader helps an, an individual understand their reason for change, we need to identify a role. This is where most change efforts fail, quite frankly. If we don't know what our role is, how are we going to create new habits and rituals and new behaviors? And how are we going to create change? We aren't. So as a member of an organization, I have to know two types of roles. One, what is my role in making this change successful for my company? And two, how has my actual job role changed as a result of this change? So I need to get clarity on both. And my leader needs to help define that. I need is a path. Mm -hmm. So my path is, do I have the knowledge, skills, and abilities, but also is my path clear? Because how many times, Jeremy, have we tried to make change or have you tried to make change and you can really think back and you can think, yeah, I had a reason for change and I knew what my role is in that change. And I had all the knowledge, skills, and abilities that I needed to make the change, but my path wasn't clear. I had obstacles in my way. So sometimes there's internal or external obstacles and a leader's job is to help clear those obstacles. And then finally, again, they need to be partners. We've talked about partnership a little bit. So a leader's job is to be a partner. And that means that I practice, I coach, I hold you accountable. You practice and coach with me and hold me accountable um, but that I also find other partners for you that we, that partnership is really about your social network, not just an individual. So a reason, a role, a path, and a partner and the best leaders help their employees on that journey.
0: Okay. So R2P2, that's the acronym, right?
1: That's Right. Yep.
0: Which is very close to R2D2, like from Star Wars. Was Was that deliberate or did it just come out as R2P2?
1: No, it um, it was not deliberate, but it's a really cool coincidence, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I got to be honest. That's the first thing I thought of when you said that. I'm sure I'm not the first person to bring this up. Anyway, <laughs> back to what we're actually talking about. Okay, so the role of leadership obviously is crucial. What about just you know the individual rank and file? worker. After all, it's everyone in the company, including the, the leaders, including the workers, have to ultimately adapt to the change or not. But if it's gonna work, everyone has to adapt. So what about you know the individual employee? What is their responsibility just personally?
1: So as individuals, our job is to lead ourselves through change. And that's a skill. Change resiliency is a skill we can grow. It's something that we can get better and better and better at. And when we have a method or a model or a way to get better, it's like training at the gym. The more we do it, the better we get at it. So our job as individual contributors at an organization is to lead ourselves. And we can use the R2P2 model to lead ourselves. When we are resisting something, we know it, right? So Jeremy, tell me, what are your signs of resistance? Like, do you have phys- a physical reaction or emotional reaction or both?
0: Oh, I definitely have an emotional reaction. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. So we can generally identify, right? Sometimes our, our, our um, blood pressure rises or we can feel that stress or anxiety response or when we feel ourselves not aligned. It's important to go back to the model and use it as a diagnostic tool to uncover why. Is it because you don't have a reason to change and you don't understand the risk of not changing? Well, then get help. Seek seek your colleagues, your leaders, um, folks in the organization whom you trust and respect and get your reason. Is it because you don't know your role? (laughs) You know, perhaps you have a reason to change and you get it. You understand why the organization needs to change, but you just don't know what your role is in making it happen. You don't know how to contribute. If that's the case, find your role. Get help in finding your role. Or perhaps it's your path. Do you not have the knowledge, skills, or abilities, or are there obstacles in your way? If your path isn't clear, help get help in clearing the path. Get partnership in clearing the path. And then lastly is your partnership, which I've talked about all along the model. And the partnership really kind of engulfs and embraces the entire model. Partners help us all along the way. And so if we don't have those things, figure out who in your social network it's best to help you. Is it a colleague? Is it a peer? Is it your direct leader? Is it another leader you respect? Is it an online forum perhaps, depending upon the type of change it is? So we use the R2P2 model for leaders as a formula to lead their teams through change. We use it for individuals to lead themselves through change. And we also use it as a diagnostic tool when we notice pockets of resistance in the organization or resistance in ourselves.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, it's so easy just to kind of complain about change, you know, and sort of cathartic, but that doesn't really get you anywhere at the end of the day, especially if the change is pervasive and it's really going to affect your day-to-day life at the office, you know. Um, So we've covered a lot of ground. Let's try to uh, wrap it up a little bit. What are two or three main points that you want listeners to take away from this podcast?
1: So I think the number one thing is reputation matters. So to my organizational leaders out there that are listening, be preventative, have a plan, lean into resistance and manage through it. Know how to identify resistance. When when things are going off the rails, be open to learning from it, lean into it and adjust your plan, but don't give up. When you give up, You're letting the resistance win and you're letting business results suffer. So protect your reputation, your successful reputation. So for my organizational leaders, it's protect your reputation. That's the number one thing. Be successful because this success is going to make the next one that much more successful. For my individual contributors who are listening, It's about your own personal change hardiness and your own resilience. So use that R2P2 model, lead yourself through change. And what you'll notice is that your organizational reputation around change, around being an adopter, around being somebody who can confront all of those industry disruptors that are facing us and be one who can lead the way is gonna help you shine in your personal career. Not to mention if you strengthen the muscle around leading yourself through change that has a plethora of benefits inside the workplace and outside the workplace.
0: Well, Erica, thank you so much for your time and for a really great discussion.
1: Thank you, Jeremy. I hope we can do this again soon.
0: The Performance Matters podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable you can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts and listen on our website at gpstrategies.com podcasts.